The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. As well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a show about how people connect with each other and themselves. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit, and today we meet a wonderful woman who shows her power in the classroom by day and the dungeon by night. Mistress Snow is a writer, researcher, professor, and dominatrix. She recently received her PhD in the humanities, and she studies power and labor under American industrial capitalism. So class, it's time to pay attention and find out what Mistress Snow wants. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever thought you were a little different. Um, I love know, how that question gets so many different reactions and I love when it's laughter. <laughs> so um, I, and I, I'm really happy about this now as a child, I was a really, I was a really ugly kid. Like I was hideous until I, I was like 15. I kind of, eh, and then like, I didn't figure out how to do my hair until I was in my twenties. And like, now I look okay. Um, but you know, I credit being like a monster child, uh, for, you know, um, <laughs> not being too full of myself. <laughs> um, but I remember I was in a uh, preschool or mm -hmm. daycare rather. Um, I must've been like two or three years old and I grew up in a, a non-disclosed city. Um, I remember the daycare was above a gas station <laughs> and one of the girls there uh, kept making fun of me. I mean, she was making a pun on my real name, so I'm not going to like say what it was, but um, she kept making fun of me and I really was, and she was maybe a couple years older than me and I was really not having it. So I pushed her down the stairs, <laughs> like all the way down the stairs, like landed on her head, could have died. Like I was just like, fuck you. <laughs> it's just pushed her down the stairs um and everyone was like like or you know the, like the teachers or whatever were like mm -hmm. no what's wrong with you and I'm like what but she fucked around <laughs> like, <laughs> um so yeah around then I uh noticed that my sense of justice was both extreme and violent <laughs> first time you ever intimidated a man Sorry, I'm like, I'm going through all my options. This wouldn't be the first time, but I say my favorite time might, must have been when I was, I think I was a senior in high school. Um, and for um, my sociology class I was taking, the teacher asked us for the final exam to write some like essay question about what we learned that semester. And he was like an old racist piece of shit. So I wrote some like screed about like, well, I learned how racism becomes institutionalized. Like I learned that my teachers are actually like nowhere near as smart as I am apparently. Um, which, I mean, I wasn't that cocky, but Anyway, uh, I heard through the grapevine that he he was like a six year old man. He was the head of the like social studies department in my high school, and my essay apparently made him cry. And then he gave me an A. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hear he died a few years ago. Actually, I just uh -oh. remembered that. <laughs> I think it was the 
last time I was telling this story, maybe like three or four years ago, I he, he like died the next day. I saw on like Facebook. It's like rip. First time you ever picked up an instrument of impact and your reaction to it. I'd say, uh, you know, not to get, God, my mom gave me this like stupid little pen holder that says like the pen is mightier than the sword that I like put on my pens in. So not to be too cheesy like that. Um, but I do remember the first time I was able to use my words to um, really fuck with someone. And it was something really minor. I think like my second grade teacher, uh, we had to do some like bullshit homework. And then I was like working on some project and I saw that she had just dumped the homework in the trash can. And I was like furious. It's like, how dare you? <laughs> like I worked hard on that homework and you didn't even look at it. Um, so I wrote like a petition to like, you know, unionize the other second graders or whatever <laughs> and gave it to her. And like, she she kicked me out of class. I couldn't go to recess for like several weeks. She called my parents who didn't give a shit. Um, but I, you know, and at the time I was like, what? I just I all I did was write what you did. <laughs> and um and this was like a 40-year-old woman. And I was like, how old are you in second grade? Eight? Like and very ugly, I might add. Extreme giant hair. My teeth didn't go in any consistent direction. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, they still kind of don't, but a little better now. Um, but yeah, that's when I first uh, realized that I um, could use very basic, uh, very basic things to make people feel very small. <laughs> first time in your adult life when you realized you had to reinvent yourself. Uh, oh, I know. So when I, when I started grad school, um, I had like, I, I started grad school, I was 22 years old and I, um, I was like four pounds soaking wet and <laughs> so, like my hair was like down to my butt and, um, and you know, I did like super flashy makeup every day. I have all these tattoos. Anyway, I, I, thought that my professors would judge me based on um, my writing and my research and the things that I said. And I quickly realized that no, they thought I was a dumb bitch. Like total, like, like just anti-bimbo discrimination <laughs> that I was getting. And for a while I thought, so I called it the Prince Hal effect. Um, you know, the, it's a Shakespeare play. It's funny because I like, I have a lot of beef with a lot of Shakespeareans on Twitter, but um, <laughs> the Shakespeare play, I think it's Henry the Fourth, part one or part two. Um, Falstaff asks, if I recall correctly, I haven't read it since college a thousand years ago, but um, Falstaff asks, how, like, why are you acting so stupid in public? And Hal's like, yo, if I act like a fucking moron, then when I do something even mediocre not even mediocre like not bad then people are going to be like oh my god he's genius because uh the bar is literally underground mm -hmm. um so you know at the time i was like all right you want to think i'm a bimbo fine i'm going to show you like the best seminar paper you've ever fucking seen and then of course they were like did you plagiarize this b minus <laughs> <laughs> and a b minus in grad school is like an f in, mm -hmm. in anything else yeah um and i realized like oh Mm, I I can't be like a, a I I need to humble myself physically if I want these old straight white men to take in my field who I need as my you know dissertation advisors um, to take me seriously. So I would I, I would say that that's less of a um, like rising from the ashes mm -hmm. kind of reinvention that I had been considering, but, <laughs> but it's um, important. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say as an adult, that was the first time I was like, no, you need to like really change how people perceive you. And what has become our famous fifth first five question. First time you ever received a dick pic and your reaction to it. Huh. You know, that's a good question because I'm, uh, you know, I'm a older millennial, so I didn't even have a cell phone until I was a uh, I think I had one when I was a freshman in college, but I couldn't text on it or else it was like 50 cents of text or something until I was like a junior in college. Um, that's, well, hmm. 
I actually think it might have been in college or I'm sorry, in high school when I started like kind of rudimentary escort light work. Um, and one of the uh, boys in my high school who was paying me um, for my expertise, unspecified, I believe emailed me a dick pic to my like hotmail or whatever it happened to be at the time. <laughs> so that would have been all like 20 years ago. Um, and my reaction at the time was like, like dicks are weird. Like no one likes dick pics. Like no, even if you're really into dick, no one wants to look at a dick. Like they're not cute. So I think I, it was just kind of like, like bemused, uh, a little confused, nonplussed, I guess, mm -hmm. in the like traditional sense of the word. <laughs> like what? Not I wasn't disgusted and I wasn't offended, but I was like, why would you show this to someone? This is not. Mm, mm -mm. And the worst part about it is it probably took a while to download. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sitting there, I had to shut down my Napster. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that was that was the first time. I had to have dick pic technology before you can get a dick pic. It was definitely taken with one of those like Logitech uh, webcams that you would like stick on the top of your monitor. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. 2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. I feel nervous talking to you. Oh, good. And that brings joy to you. Oh, it does. It pleases me immensely. The Baroness, April 20th on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Do you want to hear episodes way before their release date? Commercial free and with an exclusive and always interesting five more minutes? Then support the show at patreon.com slash podcast. And you can be a part of an actual upcoming show. We sure do thank you for your support. And now, back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. You have a common name in when it comes to doming. Does that present a lot of confusion? Well, so when I, so this wasn't the name that I used, uh, I'm, I'm not doing in-person sessions now. I'm not mm -hmm. going to until it's safe, but um, this wasn't the name I used in a dungeon because I didn't want to get doxxed. Um, so I was thinking of a pen name, you know, and I was working with Chronicle and, um, oh, I remember I was with a, a ball busting client um, and he was telling me about some, yeah, he, weirdo. Um, I mean, not because of the ball busting, because of other reasons, mm -hmm. but at any rate, he was um, telling me about some Dom that he used to see who was named Mistress Snow. And I was like, that is so, that's such a cool name. I love that. Cause Snow is like beautiful and entrancing and it will like, you'll freeze to death if you touch it. And like, mm -hmm. <laughs> or if you like stay it, like, oh, but I love it. Like, yeah, frostbite, cool. Um, so I just went, I just went with that and, um, I remember my, uh, it wasn't my editor, but I think it was one of the copy editors was like, uh, isn't she worried that people are gonna think of Mr. Snow? And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was already like an uphill battle getting getting to be Snow. Um, and then once my uh, Chronicle piece came out in December, 2019, a bunch of people hit up both Mr. Snow Mercy and Domino Snow, cause they thought that the writer was 
them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never interacted with uh, Snow Mercy. I like we have some mutual mm-hmm. acquaintances, um, but you know it's actually been like pretty all right. Um, it uh, Dominus Snow ended up like posting my my writing, and uh, we ended up connecting, and she's. Uh, just wonderful you know like nobody uh nobody really gets confused i'd say Mm -hmm. because i don't um i don't sell like i don't sell content online Mm -hmm. um at least you know i've done some virtual sessions but only with established clients um so no one's like confused about whose content is whose um and i don't i well when i was doing in-person sessions i didn't use the name snow so um, it's actually i feel like i'm in like a cool club of cool girls (laughs) <laughs> name snow <laughs> cool like, cool club yeah it, it's actually not a problem at all <laughs> emphasis being on the cool um though what has been a problem is fucking academics who are as a demographic way dumber than sex workers um see snow and they're like <laughs> all right cokehead or they're like um oh, i got accused someone's like well yeah like why are you named snow we get it you're white and i'm oh, like jeez that mm, mm. I'm like like call me mistress hitler like fucking, <laughs> uh, no say as no. a jewish woman yeah no as i i've made the mistress karen joke a few times but i'm also like yeah i'm mad ethnic like can we um have a nuanced discussion about critical race theory without me getting canceled maybe no I, I actually find something funny because I just happened to pull up a, a thread on Twitter. <laughs> and this is- I get in a lot of trouble. This like, is very I've, funny. This, I've no one to blame this is myself. the first thing on the top of the thread. Have you ever claimed an identity that wasn't yours because of the relative anonymity of the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, um, I- when was that? Is there a date on uh, it? September 4th, 2020. <laughs> yeah, I I forget what, maybe it was right after the like Jessica Krug thing. Um, I forget what I was, what scenario I was subtweeting at the time. <laughs> um, but, or maybe someone had been exposed for like pretending to be, oh no, I had a bunch of people with like anime avatars hassling me um, and saying like, well, uh, what was it if I said like you're being a bitch they'd be like um oh are you saying that because I'm a black woman and I'd be oh, like wow. you're an anime avatar I don't know what your your race or gender mm-hmm. what the fuck are you talking about um and then it finally occurred to me like oh wait a minute the internet is anonymous like how many people are doing this shit um because <laughs> I've never I've never done it um it being faking a marginalized identity for clout or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I posted that. And then about, I have a lot of uh, trans followers who are all like, bitch. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> wow. Like, Cancel again. <laughs> Before we start talking but, about how people connect with you, I do want to talk about what drew me to you. Ooh. It was the Daily Beast <laughs> article college professor by day, pro-dom by night. How did you bring those two things together where you could fully focus on being a professor while having an amazing life at night at the same time? <laughs> well, you know, it was born out of necessity. I, uh, it was summer 2019. I, you know, ended up between a rock and a hard place, that hard place being JP Morgan Chase. And was like, I, I don't like, I, I wasn't teaching over the summer, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I guess we're doing sex work again. Whoops, red stew tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so uh, that kind of, I, I never planned on marrying the two. I would sometimes use, sometimes use it as like a, you know, uh, so I was a house tom, so I, I worked specific shifts at mm-hmm. uh, one of the dungeons in my city. And, um, you know, we'd all go in to like meet a client and then they'd choose someone. So I would, if there was a client with like, who wanted to do a student teacher role play, then I, I'd maybe bring it up and say like, oh, you know, I teach it, blah, blah, um, But I never planned on um, really combining the two. And it, it got really difficult for a while because I was teaching... Monday through Thursday at eight in the morning. And I was doming Friday through Sunday until like 2 a.m. 
Mm. Um, I think 3 a.m. on Saturdays. So I would get home at like three and then I'd have to get up to go to work at like six. So I'd be standing there in front of my class, like shaking. Like it was, I ended up being able to switch my schedule after a couple of months. Mm -hmm. um, but I wasn't ever planning on marrying the two until my former mentor um, until I, I disclosed to her that I was working as a dom and she withdrew uh, my letters of recommendation. Um, at which point I was like, like, no, we're not, like, I'm not, I'm not playing the shame game anymore. I mean, I will be shaming this asshole publicly in mm -hmm. like a national publication. Um, as the, uh, <laughs> As the cease and desist letter her lawyer said to me, describe the chronicle of higher education. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> fucking asshole. Um, but I mean, you know, that's, I guess, how the two kind of became wedded. Uh, and then as far as like being able to maintain like a research profile and my teaching while also doming, um, you know, the dungeon atmosphere kind of lends itself to that almost because, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be working an eight hour shift. Let's say I get three sessions. That means there's still five hours that I'm just fucking sitting there. Mm -hmm. um, so I would usually, uh, I would uh, set up camp in the classroom dungeon. <laughs> just sit there and grade and read and write and research. So um, it weirdly, it, and you know, there's something about like getting into like, the headspace of mm -hmm. doming that um, I don't know. I find really generative. Uh, so you know, it really it actually kind of like helped me get my shit done. What anyway. were you teaching? Um, I don't uh, reveal my subfield because oh, fair, uh, fair motherfuckers want to dox me all the time, especially oh, academics. Enough. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, so I teach a combo of. So not, not to like to my own horn, but like I'm a damn good teacher. Um, like I'm one of the top rated instructors in each of my departments. Um, so I rate, I teach a mix of upper division um, electives for majors mm -hmm. and um, like entry level, this class is required and I don't want to take it. So, yeah, those two. <laughs> I really like generalize. Talk about like, intimidation. Yeah, class in school. Like it's like school flavored school is the one. <laughs> you, you mentioned the Chronicle, which is the Chronicle of Higher Education. And you wrote a personal essay in that. What was the reaction? And it, let me tell you what the essay was called. You know what it's called, but our audience <laughs> I told my mentor I was a dominatrix. She rescinded my letter of recommendation. What kind of reaction did you get from that article? It was overwhelmingly pos positive. You know, a bunch of people told me before it went live, like, oh, this is going to go viral. You're going to like be internet famous. And I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, it's not like, <laughs> um, then lo and behold, it goes viral. Um, and uh, there were a few things I got. So like I keep my DMs open um, for some stupid reason. Um, so I got a mix of DMs from oh, sorry, um, other, other academics, mostly graduate students, some adjuncts who were also sex workers. And they were like, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. I never told anybody, which like, yeah, I wasn't that smart not to tell anyone. <laughs> Silly me. Um, like, oh, this really affirmed my experiences. And then I had a lot of DMs and then public tweets from like pretty prominent faculty um, <clears throat> saying like, yo, fuck that bitch. You need a new letter of rec, you, you hit me up. <laughs> Which I did end up doing. Uh, one of the professors who offered to write me a letter of rec had actually been one of my professors in college mm. and didn't know it when she tweeted at me. <laughs> mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, that's really convenient, thank you. Um, and then I'd say less than like 1% of the tweets or DMs that I got were people being like, I'm gonna call up your boss and let him know that the teacher's a whore or whatever. Um, there were a few of those. I got one that was like, "Who? what Jew dick did you have to suck to get a PhD? And I was like, doms don't even suck dick usually. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> like, get it together. 
together. Let me provide you an education in this matter. Yeah, right? Because I am at heart an educator. Um, but it was overwhelmingly positive. Did being a pro-dom ever come into a good use as an educator, meaning a student trying to get a little uppity and you being able to go, excuse me, and being able to put on that mindset. Yeah, so I mean, I've always been like that. With, <laughs> with, that's just kind of my personality. Um, usually if a student starts freaking out, I'll just start laughing and that'll disarm them. Um, the one thing I did notice one day, one day I was I was like writing something on the board and my students started getting their shit together even though there was still five minutes left and I turned around and was like, did I say it was time to leave? Um, yeah, and they were like, no. Um, and I was also like, so you do not dumb. You're just, no, <laughs> like you keep those two separate. Um, what I have noticed, however, is that it has impacted how I interact with other faculty. Hmm. Um, so I found at my institutions, the tenured faculty and tenure track faculty are usually like pretty cool, weirdly. Um, but the other adjuncts, um, I feel like they, they often feel like they have something to prove almost. Um, Cause like adjuncts get treated like shit at my, I mean, at every institution, but mm -hmm. especially mine. Um, so, you know, if like, I, if I'm sharing a classroom with someone, if I'm teaching right after them, then they'll be like real, uh, you know, they'll, they'll like stay longer so I can't set up my class. They'll mm. like dig around on the computer and I'm like, I need to set up my fucking PowerPoint. Um, so I have found that that has really, uh, uh, you know, I, I would never just like sit and let it, like let them fuck with me, but mm -hmm. I've definitely gotten crueler in the past <laughs> few years and like if they try to do that i'm like okay we're doing a public humiliation session okay here we go <laughs> um so that's how it's impacted i'd say i try to keep the two separate though because i don't want like just don't want them to bleed into each other have they accidentally at any time well um <laughs> remember at the the one dungeon i was working at back in 2019 um, I was talking to one of the other doms and she, I was saying something about like writing papers or whatever. And she was like, um, like, oh, I'm in college. I'm like, you know, right. And what we were talking a bit and she was like, yo, where do you uh, teach at? And I was like, oh, you know, I, I teach at blah, blah, blah. And she was like, shut the fuck up. So of course she was a student there. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was like majoring in my field. <laughs> And we had um, a crush on the same one of my coworkers. Um, <laughs> that's the only time they've really like slammed into each other in that way. Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I have had professor clients. Uh, I mean, before like my in-person work, I would have professor clients um, that I would recognize, but I wouldn't, you know, feel like. Oh, I read your book. Like I, I tried <laughs> not to out them. <laughs> but yeah, just that one time with uh, my coworker. <laughs> as a professor and as a pro dom, people approach you in different ways for connection, whether it be in a teacher-student relationship, whether it be in an interpersonal relationship, whether it be in a professional relationship. What is the one thing that will absolutely drive you nuts when a person approaches you in an improper way? I'm like, I should just pull up my DMs. I mean, I get a lot of the like- We'll do that in a moment. <laughs> I Excellent. love doing that. I mean, you know, I got your run-of-the-mill um, unsolicited dick pics. Uh, the like, like take my balls, mommy. I get that a lot. Um, but the the time wasters are the absolute worst. People who act like they're going to book a session or send tribute or whatever, and then they just end up like talking at you. Actually, wait, hold on. Rewind. Um, the thing that's even more irritating is uh, people who, prospective clients who uh, DM or text or email or whatever the fuck, um, and try 
try to say like, you know, I'm only, uh, uh, there's this one dude who just DMs me nonstop and I haven't responded to him in months. And I'm like, I, I, I don't block him because I think it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, really? Like, um, That's but, the sadist yeah. side of you going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, mm, it's fascinating. Um, like, can't you tell that I hate you? Um, but <laughs> he'll always be like, well, you know, I need to work on saving up for a session. I can't really afford that because I'm a teacher. And I'm like, mm, are you? I wouldn't, and also like, oh, you're a like public high school teacher where I know that the salary is double what I make doing double your work. That's the kind of teacher you are and you can't fucking budget. Like, <laughs> that. That's the one thing if someone tries to like garner sympathy for their financial situation. And I'm like, you were talking to a millennial, sir. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear it. <laughs> what do, people do that are right in approaching you um sending tribute immediately um and that's not even i mean it's more of a respect like so when when other academics dm me um when, or when people dm me for non um non non-dom purposes non yeah, I, I don't expect money ever. And I, I'm always surprised when like, sometimes they'll send it anyway. If someone like asks for advice and I give it and they send me money, I'm like, no, that, you just have that for free. Uh, <laughs> but um, the right way, if you're trying to, if you're approaching as a prospective client um, is definitely to send tribute. And that's, you know, it's not even like a, um, it's, it's how do I how do I put it? It's it's less that I feel like like oh I won't deign to talk to someone without tribute, um, but more there are so many motherfucking time wasters. Mm -hmm. It's unreal. I'd say maybe ten percent of the people who contact at least me are just time wasters and have no intention whatsoever of actually you know uh, booking a session mm -hmm. so that that shows me that you're serious and not just a stupid asshole wasting all my time and i mean the other like oh it shows that you respect me but mainly it's mm -hmm. like oh i know to take this person seriously when i think of people who have gone into the pro-dom business i think of people who have a great head on their shoulders and obviously you have an amazing head on your shoulders being the academic that you are <laughs> but somebody who won't put up with a lot of idiots mm. but idiots also have money from time to time how do you make peace with that so it's only I mean, because most of my clients tend to want some aspect of humiliation or, um, you know, a lot of my clients are wealthy and feel guilty about being wealthy as like, you know, people are uh, hundreds of thousands of people are dying every day around us mm -hmm. um, and want to like pay a kind of penance for that. Um, so it usually works in my favor to be like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then let me tell you why. Um, there's only been one time that, uh, that backfired. Um, but I was working in a house, uh, my bio said something like, um, I'll switch, but only for women, like men, you boys, you don't touch me. Cause like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll suffer, yeah, you know, depending on my financial situation on that mm -hmm. given day. Um, and one of my clients was like, so can I ask you why you'll sub for uh, women and not men? And I was like, well, um, you know, it seems redundant to uh, submit my body for physical abuse when the entire superstructure of our society is based on men like yourself uh, taking advantage of the labor of women, like, mm. <laughs> and he did not. Which, which like is an amazing that. answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, what, what did you think I was going to say? Like, wh what were you expecting here? Um, and then he started arguing, like, 
well, what about men who work in, in coal mines? And I'm like, all right, let's go, bitch. My dissertation was on labor and class. Let me tell you about men who work in coal <laughs> mines, like in West Virginia in 1893. Like I, anyway, he ended up ending the session early <laughs> and I didn't even get a tip. <laughs> so that's, yeah, it's the only time it's really backfired on me. Otherwise it tends to work in my favor. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question out of curiosity because I would not know because I am a cis male. But when you say you will sub for another woman, is there a certain tenderness or connection or a certain ability to read each other's bodies that might be the reason you would do that as opposed to men who you may feel want something from you? Is it more well, of a synergy there? Well, so I don't sub in my personal life um, mm -hmm. uh, with women or men. Okay. Um, so, um, you know, it's really like, it's, it's kind of a safety thing. Like, I don't really mind subbing professionally because mm -hmm. like I mean like I put I put like my heart into doming but subbing I can just like check out mentally I like totally disassociate I have pain tolerance of like Mike Tyson so I'm just like whatever <laughs> like, it's fine like I, I just like uh ow like I I mean I'm not a very good sub for that reason <laughs> like if mm -hmm. you're looking for someone to cry I'm not your girl um but I find that male doms are in more cases than not just sadistic misogynists. Mm. Um, and I've had so many coworkers who have gotten assaulted, who have been entrapped, like physically like trapped, um, who have had just these like sadistic motherfuckers uh, take advantage of them in sub sessions that I'm like, I, I don't actually wanna die. Like I do often wanna mm -hmm. die, but not in that way. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> consent matters. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, that's why I limit it to women. Women, you know, women, um, and it's not even that like women are less physically strong because I don't think that's true, but um, they tend to, um, you know, it's more of a psychological game, mm -hmm. I find. Um, and, and one that I don't need to like worry for my physical safety. <laughs> also, I feel like women are less reckless too. So I don't think there's, a, I, I wouldn't say that there's like more of a like connection per se. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do know some very few cis, cis male doms um, who are like rather compassionate, not like I session with them, but like they exist and I know them. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's less of a, I'm going to beat this bitch up and more of a, I'm a dominant and I want to dominate this person. That's one flying in now, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good I, thing I'm I got not, these headphones. I'm not worried about it at all. So personally, if you don't mind me asking, personally, do you enjoy playing both sides of the slash or are you still very much a dominant personality? Um, I find that in my personal life, um, I'm a lot more vanilla sexually than I would like mm -hmm. to admit. I've definitely had then like- you like to admit, and that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah, I've definitely had very kinky personal relationships um, that were deeply invested in power plays, but like <laughs> my main priority when having sex in my personal life is like getting off and getting my partner off. Like, I don't, yeah. I think that, um, you know, it, it's less of a like psychologically transcendent experience mm -hmm. in, I mean, I would say in my, in my early, in my twenties, my early twenties, especially I was, um, more like kind of uh like moved by the art of bdsm or whatever <laughs> um <laughs> but i've kind of gotten i mean not more relaxed I, I guess yeah like maybe more more relaxed in my my old age <laughs> <laughs> i 
let's see, I'm trying to, so I'd say with, with men that I sleep with, which has not been for a while because we are living in a plague. Mm-hmm. Um, I do very, I, I'm like, now that I think about it, now that I'm like talking, I'm like, wait a minute, are you, you, you're bullshitting, aren't you? Um, I do get a lot of pleasure out of, um, just making men feel useless other than how they can get me off. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I'm a real fan of like making men buy me a bunch of shit and then like not letting them get off, but I will and then leaving. Like, I like making them feel like I don't give a shit about them. Um, <laughs> they tend to work harder too, which is cool. Nice little uh, side effect. Um, <laughs> like making them just feel loathed. Mm. Um, I, I find entertaining and and quite fun um with women on the other hand um i'd say there's there's a far less less element there I, there might there's really no element i'd say of sadism when i'm sleeping with women in my personal life um i would say when i do engage in like kinky or you know bdsm whatever in in my personal life it's it's usually more of like a fun like like get, getting slapped in the face. I think that is the fun, like the, the sensation on your face. Like, <laughs> like I'm not even a sub, but like, I'm like, yeah, slap. there are so many like cell phone videos of me in college getting wasted and being like, just slap me in the face. I just want to feel it. Like, <laughs> I like the sensation. I don't know. That's the only like a sub or sub adjacent activity I pre- like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of a fun, like, I don't want to say pillow fight because it's like some sexualized, infantilized, creepy nonsense. But um, it's more about like the sensations, like the physical sensations and mm-hmm. having like a, a good time versus uh, with men, it, it is more of a like mind fuck and uh, psychological warfare on my part. <laughs> I will ask the question then, has a man ever surprised you to the point where that's not your go-to? Where you're like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. Mm, no. <laughs> no. Call me a hopeless romantic. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, there is this one dude I slept with in grad school and I was like, you're kind of cool. I could see hanging out with you a little more. And that's as close as we're like, <laughs> aside from that, like, I'm like, there's literally one person from 10 years ago that I can think of. If you're listening, Brad, which I think was his name. I- <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ash, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships, and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. 
Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. It kind of catches me off guard a bit because I am a hopeless romantic, but I am also someone who in the battle of the sexes, I rarely take my own side. I find that- Which is a testament to being secure in your masculinity, mm -hmm. I might say. But at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, it's hard for me to have guy friends because many times a lot of cis men will do things that just piss me off and make me go, why do you have to be like this when there's others of us? And I'm not, I'm not playing the not all men card, but I'm no, playing, I know, I know. I'm playing the, there are some of us who genuinely appreciate women and what we can be for them, not what we can be to them. And I'm just like, side, I often feel this way. I like, I'll say like, I mean, not even like I hate other white people, like white people say that all the time, but I'm like <laughs> other Jew Jewish people, I can't fucking stand a lot of the time. And I'm always like, why are you like this? Why are you the stereotype? Like, <laughs> um, so I mean, I, I yeah, no, I, I'm not getting a not all men vibe at all. <laughs> And it is becoming a stereotype that men just pull stupid things. Yeah, and well, and the male feminists are even worse because they're like trying to Trojan horse their way on <laughs> women's spaces. Fair enough. I will take notes of all of that and make sure <laughs> that I don't cross the line. Let's go talk about what it takes to get a PhD. I oh, wait, no, are we just leaving the, wait, was there a question in the last question or yeah, did you just sideline that? No, no, I, well, actually there was, I, I, I was <laughs> somewhere in there, there was a question. I don't know. I wasn't I, trying to like subtweet you with a male feminist comment. No, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what do you, uh, then I'll ask this question. What do you say to guys like that who are just wanting a connection, a genuine connection? I mean, I do have a, I have a lot of cishet male friends, uh, though I have bullied many of them into dabbling in bisexuality. Actually, I think maybe all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I find that it's generally pretty, I mean, you can, you can tell when someone's interested in you because they think you're a cool person and interested in you because they want to fuck you. Um, mm. You know, it, and sometimes there's like an overlap, of course, like that's gonna happen. Um, not just, obviously not just with cishet men. Um, but, you know, I I don't have any trouble differentiating between cishet men who just wanna like talk and like, you know, be a, a I, I assume you don't mean in like a, a like romantic scenario, just like, want like a friend or maybe even like a kinky connection but not mm -hmm. like yeah not to just like have missionary sex or whatever um it's <laughs> it's usually pretty clear in the way that they um well you know they'll engage you in shit that doesn't have to do with sex even like they respect your opinion that's mm -hmm. so fucking rare it's ridiculous like actually you know i have a, a lot of real Actually, I think all of my straight male friends, except for one, is an academic. Um, mm. But, you know, they're interested in seeing my syllabi. You know, like, interested in inviting me to do guest lectures and shit. Um, it, it sounds, it, maybe it's like a disappointing answer, or too basic to be like, well, you know, they treat you like a human, but that's really it, I find. And treating anyone like a human is what more people need to do just in general life yeah. every day. Well, and like treating women like shit, that's like, I mean, not good, <laughs> obviously. But, you know, men who like deify women too, that's, I mean, it's not as bad. <laughs> I would say it's less bad <laughs> than being treated like, you know, a monster or an animal or whatever the fuck. But it's also still frustrating and indicates that they're not seeing you as like their peer. They're seeing you as some weird like other thing. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's another tell when they're, they like perceive you as being flawless. Like really like. Mm. <laughs> Let's take it into the dungeon then. 
have you ever been surprised by a cishet a cishet man in the way that they responded to you in a session to the point where you're like you're different i like this i would <laughs> this sounds really big i mean there have been uh, i can think of one um client where i've been like oh like this is about like you want to feel good because it makes it feel good to make me feel good like cool that has happened literally one time mm. <laughs> but um you know when when i get tipped well it's it's not even a financial thing um i mean like i, I appreciate the financial aspect of money um but when a client tips me well um then I'm surprised literally every time because there's so many clients who just don't, you know, they just don't at all. No mm -hmm. tips, zero tips. Um, but getting any, let alone a good tip, makes me think like, oh, you actually understand that this is difficult labor that that's happening here. And you're not just coming in here to like get off and then leave um, and go back to your office because it's like, 1 p.m. on Wednesday, <laughs> mm -hmm. but like, oh, you actually see me as like a person that you want to recognize for the like specialized labor that I'm doing. Um, and that, that again, um, is such a like basic, like when I get treated like a human, I'm like, huh, maybe men aren't so bad, <laughs> but like it really, it really does come down to that. It leads to the question because you talked about the fact that this is a professional thing that you do. What's harder to get ready for, a class or a scene? Hmm. Hmm. I, I think, you know, I would say a class, uh, definitely. Um, <laughs> because I feel far more secure as a worker in a dungeon than I do in a classroom. Um, the level of bitchiness, the level of surveillance to um, of like weird childish backstabbing nonsense is so high um, in, in, in academia amongst my, my colleagues. Um, and then you know, I've, I, I have had clients get creepy with me, but I've mm -hmm. never had a whole ass full-blown stalker client. I have had several student stalkers, mm. um, several, like just one, not like maybe, I don't know, under 10, but over five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, having to think of, uh, like, is this outfit appropriate to wear? Am I wearing, am I even wearing shoes that I could like run in? Um, I know that I am going, my yet like agency um, is going to be more respected in a scene than it is when I'm teaching mm -hmm. um, to the extent that, yeah, no, I do. Uh, it is the, the collected, collected experiences I've had as a professor are, unequivocally more violent than those I've had as a Don. So um, yeah, no, it, it gets, it, it's stressful a lot of the time. Um, I haven't had a student stalker since, I think it was spring 2019 was my last one, <laughs> but also, oh, well, no, that wasn't a stalker. Um, that was just an asshole. But like, mm -hmm. um, the, the I would say that a dungeon is more of a safe space than a classroom and therefore is less, uh, less stressful to prepare for. Also, what I love about one of my favorite things that I miss most about in-person doming is getting to like dress up and wear makeup and shit. Like, I love that. I, like Getting to put on like, like crazy pantyhose and like corsets and shit. Like, I, I enjoy that. I do not enjoy putting on like a fucking button up that I'm gonna have pit stains <laughs> to go <come laughs> teach my undergraduates. <laughs> Is it because authority is absolute in the dungeon and authority should be there in the classroom that makes it so frustrating? Well, I would say- in Or each respect, dungeon, respect might be a better word. 
Yeah, I'd say in each dungeon I've worked in, so there's, there's not really a sense of competition among the doms, in my mm -hmm. experience. Uh, we all have different specialties, we all have different body types, we all, like, clients are going to gravitate to whomever. Um, and, like, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, so I don't feel like I need to, uh, like, one-up another dom. Uh, or or I, I don't feel like I'm in direct competition with another dom in the same way that academics tend to feel about each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's also just a shared collective hatred of the dungeon owner, regardless of who the dungeon owner is, just like, there's more worker solidarity, you know? Um, also I'd say like sex workers are not always survival sex workers, but in many, I mean, I haven't, you know, done the, the quantitative research, but I, in many cases, if not most cases, uh, people turn to sex work because they have to. Um, so there is a, a, a more of a like we've all been there where our coworkers happen to be. There's, you know, if if I'm in a more you know, and I I see this a lot with like mutual aid networks. You know, like sex workers, like have just like intricate, excellent mutual aid networks because we mm -hmm. know we've been there. We're like five dollars feels like five thousand dollars or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I'm able to. You, this time, uh, what, two years ago, um, God, I remember my therapist was making little care packages for me because I couldn't afford food. Um, wow. So now that I'm doing relatively better, you know, I'll, you know, send a hundred bucks to a sex worker who needs a, a room for the night or whatever. Um, so there, there's more of the solidarity and more of a like, I know how hard I had to work to get to this point and I can see you're working hard and shit is fucked up and here's a hundred dollars or whatever. <laughs> or like, here, go take that that session. I made enough money this week that I don't need the extra trip. Like you can have this one um, versus academics where, um, I mean, I find uh, like, of course, Again, I haven't done the quantitative research, but you know the demographic <laughs> of people who are going to go get and actually a, receive a, a PhD are going to be relatively privileged. Um, you know, it's why we have so few black tenured academics. Why we have so few just academics of color in general. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I God, I, I grew up you know pretty working class. I remember being just like blown away when I got to grad school and met all these people who are like, so my dad's the chair of the bioethics department. And I'm like, what? Like my dad's a plumber. <laughs> like mm. what? <laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I didn't even know that children of professors existed. Like it, obviously, of course they would, but that it just hadn't really occurred to me that that would be like a thing. Um, and, you know, the people who succeed in getting their PhDs are more are often um, considering the paltry uh, stipends that were typically given, um, getting some kind of family support. Um, so <laughs> um, when we're talking uh, academic, I mean, it's less likely that an academic has had to sleep on a bench mm. um, or has really had to uh, has has really not had a safety net beneath them. Um, therefore, they don't know what it's like not to have a safety net between them, beneath them, which like, of course, like why would they? But that also means that they're gonna be more ruthless and more cutthroat and not in a, not in a like, what am I trying? Cause I feel like ruthless and cutthroat, of course, cause I'm a dom, I'm like, those are compliments. Mm -hmm. um, so like not in a cool way, in a like shitty mm -hmm. way. <laughs> You know, like they, they, uh, maybe I, the I, term I, backstabbing works better than cutthroat. Yeah. 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 I'd say, I'd say that, um, that I'd say sex workers are more familiar with the material realities of their less privileged peers than mm -hmm. academics are. Therefore sex, sex workers are just going to be more supportive and compassionate in my experience and the experience of literally every academic sex worker I know. <laughs> I asked you before what was harder to prepare for, a scene or a class. If we go back to when you were doing in-person sessions, and hopefully we'll get back to doing that again. I never thought I'd miss them, but I've really missed them. <laughs> and I'm so out of shape now, too. I'm like, I need to whip <laughs> someone for an hour. Like, my arms are so flabby. <laughs> what brings you more joy? 
That's a good, you know, I think, uh, I think I'd say teaching if, um, like best case scenario, it's going to be teaching. I have had some sessions, some scenes that have, but cause like if it's what I get pleasure out of is it being transcendent for the client or the student even, um, mm -hmm. I try not to really compare the two, but that's what it is. Um, when a client says like, oh, that like this session really changed how I view the world. Then I'm like, like, fuck yeah. <laughs> awesome. That was my point. <laughs> like that feels incredible, but it happens so rarely versus uh, a student who will say like, yo, I came into this class thinking X, I'm coming out of this class thinking Y, the way that you've taught me has fundamentally changed how I view myself in the world. That, uh, especially, you know, when I'm teaching like a required course that they don't want to fucking be in, in the first place, like, yo, I came into this class wanting to rip my eyeballs out. And now I'm like changing my major to your field. Um, then I'm usually like, don't do that. You're not going to get a job. But I mean, <laughs> I, I find that, um, that gives me more joy in that you know, I know it's like really made an, an impact or that my labor has really made an impact on, on this person's life, like forever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that's less likely to happen, uh, in a sometimes with regular little, excuse me, regular clients that will happen, but it, it's not, it's much more rare, you know, if there was a, a different, you know, if it happened more in scenes, then I might have a different answer, but it doesn't. So, <laughs> I will finish with this question then. What is the greatest lesson that you've learned through doing both, being an academic and being a pro-dom? Trust no bitch. <laughs> like, do not trust anyone. <laughs> I would say, um, and I don't mean that, and like, obviously there are people I trust, like I'm not saying, but, um, you know, you need to protect your labor. Uh, you know, I've wasted so many, so much energy, so much time, so much money sticking my neck out or, or, you know, working on behalf of people who are just going to take that and use it against you. And I've found, you know, like, despite being the, the, most cynical person I know. I'm also like weirdly an optimist. <laughs> so mm. I like keep on thinking like maybe people are good. They're not. Um, you know, know who your people are and who your community is and put your work in for them and stand up for them and support them. Um, but don't like, uh, don't, don't let your guard down so easily, which sucks to say as like a lesson, but really like, don't, don't let your guard down. Like do not, people are garbage. And I would say even I've learned that more in academia than in sex work, mm. <laughs> um, you know, based on the, the experience with my former mentor being one of those instances, but like know who's got your back and who doesn't and have the back of those people who will have yours. And, you know, don't be a dick. <laughs> to like people who aren't in your community, but um, you know, protect your time, protect your labor, protect your heart, protect your energy, um, because I can take be you will be taken advantage of. I think I've learned a few lessons tonight, and I greatly appreciate mm -hmm. you being such a good teacher. Well, thank you, <laughs> Dr. Snow. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you for inviting me on. What a fun conversation this was. And to give you a bit of behind the scenes, at the beginning of the interview, I might have sounded a bit confused. A little bit more confused than usual, obviously. I had been trading emails with Mistress Snow for weeks, while at the same time reaching out to Goddess Alexandra Snow to be on the show. When a series of emails came from, quote, Mistress Snow, I thought they were from Alexandra, and hilarity ensues. Happily, this Mistress Snow understood, as apparently it wasn't the first time it had happened, and I appreciate her for being such a good sport. And by the way, Goddess Snow, we still want to have you on the show. Awesome April continues with the only guest we had to have this month. 
former pro wrestler, current podcaster, and model, and all-around amazing woman, April Hunter, joins us for a conversation about perceptions, body image, and her journey as a beauty who still missed out on something we take for granted every day. It's a fascinating story, and that's coming up this Friday on the show. Still to come in April, The Baroness next Tuesday, Sunny Megatron next Friday, The Basic Witches in two weeks, and The Shamanatrix rounds out an awesome April. That will do it for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. I'm John, a.k.a. Hi there, Katsu. And as always in closing, we remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at whatwomenwantp1 on Twitter, whatwomenwantpodcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.